All right, welcome to another episode of the CTO Advisor Podcast. We have a special guest online. I don't get to talk to many other folks from the management consulting arm of our industry, the big four, who do this really high-level consulting. It's, it's technical in nature, but we're talking about large strategic problems. I have with me, my pleasure, Dave Lithicum. Chief Cloud Strategy Officer at Deloitte Consulting. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Dave, we, we were reminiscing, or at least I was reminiscing. You're in the throes of management consulting today, where you get to where you used to get to go to all kind of far flung places of the world, China, Australia, I'm assuming, parts, you know, every part of the US to help folks with their strategy around. IT technology. Today, we're going to talk about repatriation. But how's the travel these days? Not as much, but it's coming back. Um, obviously, the airlines aren't cooperating in some instances. <laughs> uh, we have to get around those snafus. But, uh, you know, uh, consulting is, you know, always going to be uh, a traveling, you know, a traveling profession. So it's coming back slowly, but it's going to be coming back. So we've had plenty of conversations over the past few years in the industry around repatriation. We're not going to debate like, is there repatriation or uh, should you repatriate uh, or the level of activity? The simple fact is that there's a use case for it. And let's talk about first, uh, you being a management consultant, let's talk about the business value. What are some of the considerations uh, that's driving repatriation? Yeah, I think it comes down to looking at uh, a workload and a data set's ability to bring value back to the business on the cloud versus on a traditional system or even on a private cloud and looking at what those metrics are. And so what happened during, and certainly this happened during the pandemic, is people had a mad dash into the clouds. In other words, they moved lots of workloads, lots of lifting and shifting went on, lots of data, uh, you know, data set movements, things like that. You know, now they're getting the bills, and now that we have a lot of FinOps in place and cost observability, they're seeing the fact that this is a lot more expensive than it was on my traditional system. So let's take a look at this and reevaluate if I'm going to have a better deal or bring more value back to the business by moving it back to a similar system, hopefully operating them cheaper, and usually the hardware and software is going to be cheaper, or leaving it in the cloud. And even looking at the soft benefits of agility and flexibility and all the things that, all the abilities that come along with the cloud, um, you know, versus some of the limitations that's going to be there in moving it back on premise that we know, having dealt with the cloud for the last 15 years, you know, what those are. But in some instances, not all, uh, it's going to make more economic sense to put this workload or put this data set back on a more traditional system and a traditional data center and traditional operations than it is to leave them in the cloud. And those are the kind of uh, uh, problem domains that, that we're seeing right now. So I know it's, you know, it's, it's hard to have a conversation with two people that's historically been on the management consulting side, because more than any other part of the industry, the, the answer is really strongly. It depends. It depends. But we'll, we'll, we'll try to resist our natural nature to answer. It depends. What what are the what are some of the characteristics of workloads that are appealing to people to bring back on prem? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so it's going to be inter workloads that typically aren't localized for cloud native features. In other words, they're not uh, bound to the security system on the public cloud provider. They're not dependent on uh, the scaling system. They're not dependent on particular APIs. And so if you put a lot of money and time into building those kinds of systems or even refactoring uh, applications that move to the cloud, those are going to have to be unfactored uh, to put them <laughs> back on premise. So you have to kind of, and so in many instances, by the time you do that, I think you're seeing the value in running those applications on the cloud and data sets on the cloud as it is. So those would be an instance of where it would, uh, you know, probably make, not make sense for it to move back in the cloud. Um, some things like uh, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, um, in other words, you have a common system that just does the same uh, typical patterns of processing. There's no dependency or no benefits in running on the cloud, then those may be a candidate for repatriation. Large amounts of data storage. You're doing large amounts of unstructured data storage on, the, on a public cloud provider, and you're getting a huge bill from that. Certainly, if you're doing a lot of egress and ingress in the cloud, then putting it back on premise may make good economic sense. The fact you could be paying 20% of what you're paying for in the cloud. And so... Um, yeah, avoiding the, it depends thing, you know, it's really just kind of looking at this from a business metrics perspective and not, and kind of taking off your technical hat. If you're going to debate, um, you know, open systems and cloud systems and agility and those sorts of things versus on-premise systems, that's not the argument you're looking to have. You're looking to say, well, we exist in IT to return value back to the business. How best can we do that? In some instances, it's going to be moving it back on-premise where it's going to have more economic value. So let's say that we've made the financial decision that we're going to move back on premises. One of the things that I've read and I've heard and I've talked to people is that they've lost the skill set. They've lost this skill to manage on-prem systems. Matter of fact, some people never had it. Repatriation isn't just about coming back on-prem, but going on-prem for the first time. There are companies that have been born in the cloud, that they've operated only in the cloud. What are some of the kind of high level considerations about restarting your on-premises operations? Should I go out there and look for a place to break down and build a data center? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put that on anybody. Um, I, I think really you consider that in the equation. And so, in other words, if I don't have the skills on uh, skills in house that are able to maintain these on-premise systems, then I have to look at what it's going to cost to obtain those skills. And if you know, and there's actually a diminishing number of people who who do that stuff now. Everybody has clouds as reassessed and retrained in the cloud. Uh, so that could be a consideration. That may be a reason not to repatriate. So, in other words, okay, we're going to save uh, you know twenty, thirty percent on these workloads and these data sets moving on back on premise, you know, all in operating costs, things like that. But if we can't get the skills, you just, you just don't do it. And by the way, people are making those decisions now. They're, they're making architectural decisions, not based on what technology is gonna be best a breed for the particular problem they're looking to solve, but you know, around what skills are able to obtain and, and maintain. And, and so that's going to be a core decision. And I think that's very important. It's probably a reason a lot of people aren't going to repatriate because they, they don't have the ability to maintain those workloads, even though they're going to be cheaper to run. So, you know, this is something I think you're uniquely positioned to answer. As architects, we can look at these things and say, oh, this is an Apple. It should go in the Apple cart. This is a orange. It should go into the bin that I use to make orange juice simple decision. When 
the land is turned over and we say, oh, it's time to build to to grow squash here or whatever the case as technical people, we can look at a situation and make that decision politically. If I sold the idea that three years ago we're going all in on cloud and the landscape changes, how do I begin to have that conversation with the C-suite that, yes, three years ago, that was the best situation, but we need to start to tap the brakes on our cloud rollout and think about keeping some of these data center assets or whatever the current infrastructure yeah, it's all data driven. And so I would go to the board of directors, whoever this, you know, C-suite was. Uh, hopefully you didn't make the decision and, you know, declared, uh, you know, declared everything's going in the cloud. That's obviously something you have to kind of look at as a wise choice. You have to look at everything goes into the pr proper cloud platform, whether it's cloud or not. And say we have new metrics. Um, this is costing us more because of this, this, and this. And the reality is, that, you know, the cloud environments from a cost perspective are a changing dynamic. And so, in other words, their prices are going to go up and renegotiating enterprise contracts, things like that. And just like we have outsourcing and we have people delivering power and water into our houses and businesses, they may become less economically desirable uh, if they change their thing. So I would go there and say, listen, look, based on these metrics, um, we may have an opportunity to save some money by moving some of the workloads, and it's typically going to be some, not all. Uh, and the data sets, you know, back on premise are moving it into a managed service provider or a colo provider. That's typically what people are doing now. They're renting the space. And we can save, say, $100,000 a month if we make this particular, particular move. Now, if they come back and they say, well, you said we're all in cloud, you're contradicting yourself. Um, that's a problem. And so in many instances, you got to have the political will uh, to really kind of make the assessment as to, um, um, I wouldn't say a mistake was made, but uh, we need to look at this in a much more pragmatic way than we did five years ago and reevaluate some of the workloads. At the end of the day, it's kind of right sizing and it's tuning because we're not taking, you know, the 500 workloads and the, uh, you know, t uh, 20 petabytes of data that sits in the cloud and then relocating it back on premise. We're taking aspects of that. In other words, we're taking analytical database here is unstructured storage, file system storage, archival storage. You know, these things are kind of boring systems that will run perfectly well on premise as they do in the cloud. And just making a decision that we're going to uh, save money by pushing them back on premise. And I would have a probably a hopefully a compelling argument to make to the boards of directors and CEOs. And hopefully I you know didn't make the decision or didn't declare that cloud, we we're all in on cloud. Uh, that's something I wouldn't do personally. Um, but it comes down to a business decision, just like moving your business from one building to another, from one city, city and state to another city and state based on tax advantages. You know, those kinds of business decisions are made all the time. It's really kind of no different. Yeah. Some people call it the heel to die on, et cetera. And I think this is a great example of our audience has a crossover. There's kind of the enterprise architect looking to expire to become the CTO one day. And this is one of those political decisions that you have to get really good at. Like, is this worth spending political capital on? And when do you find that some, a decision like this is worth spending political capital? I'll, I'll harken back to an example that my audience is aware of. I had to make the from an enterprise arch architecture perspective, I had to make the political decision that we're not going to move from HPUX to Linux uh, for our SAP instance. The business had just gone through a really painful consolidation of SAP. And I would have had to ask 
our CFO to spend more political capital to go to HPUX from HPX to Linux. At the end of the day, I have to do the assessment. Do I want to spend my political capital on that transaction? Where does this fall along the, the this conversation line? Yeah, I don't think it's any different than in the scenario you just described. It's a great example. It's a great analogy. And I think the reality is you have to make a decision as to whether it's worth um, you to make this assertion, which, by the way, uh, they won't expect. They're not expecting that you make this assertion and, and doing your duty as someone who's uh, fiscally responsible, responsible for the business. And so that kind of depends on the person you are and who's making making the thing. In many instances, these kind of audits and these kind of assessments around repatriation are going to be sponsored by the C-levels and by the boards of directors because they're kind of looking for an audit to kind of make sure that they're investing in the right platforms and that we're changing the platforms or optimizing them to be better at it. So I don't think there's a lot of political loss that can happen there depending on the organization. And so what you're doing is you're saying that we're going to make some minor adjustments because that's what you're doing. You're moving aspects of systems. We're not doing a huge repatriation effort to save some money. Um, but if people are going to, uh, you know, view that as something that's a negative, uh, that's something you have to consider. You have to consider the culture of the organization. There's some organizations I worked with, I wouldn't have no problem you know, going into the CEO's office and telling them we have to go ahead and make this change, even though it'd be confusing to them uh, in some instances. Others, I wouldn't because I would be summarily fired. Uh, <laughs> and so you have to, you, you kind of have to make that decision unto yourself. And even for people in the organization, am I going to, you know, maintain, uh, you know, their ability to work here and have a good you know, have a good working relationship with the uh, with the company if they're part of the team that's uh, suggesting this stuff. And so it's not 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 just you, but you have to make kind of have to use your head when you make those decisions. My my bet on this, you know, at my advanced age is you're there to return equity back to your return value back to the investors, you know, people who own the company, however you want to do that. Um, even if you're admitting to a mistake, I, I think that's worthy. I think that's just doing the right thing. Uh, some people may disagree with that. So you put the data and the information in front of the people who are making the decision, recommend a course of action. They can either say yes or no, but in doing so, you're doing the right thing to the investors, the people who actually own the company. Well, that's the fiduciary responsibility at its essence. So this is one of those things you can't get a certification for. This is just experience. Uh, this is uh, now that I have 25 years of industry experience, I can look back and well, my manager told me five years in, Keith, that it takes 25 years to get 25 years of experience. I now better understand that. Last question. This is one is kind of a curveball for you, but uh, I was going over my response for call for papers, and I, I was surprised to see that you submitted a response to the call for papers. There's this term, super cloud, meta cloud, distributed cloud going on, and you're, you've submitted a paper to talk about that. Preview that concept for us. Yeah, it's it's fairly simplistic. If you think about it, we're trying to remove uh, uh, hybrid clouds and multi clouds are are complex, and that's where people are running into the problems and operating them. So, in other words, they become there's you know you go from a uh, you know a thousand services under management to three thousand services under management. And by the way, we're not giving any more money to operate those systems. You can't hire more people, can't build more tools, things like that. So we have to figure some way to mediate that complexity. 
And one thing you can do, you can certainly, you know, try to um, underwhelm the operations and end up making mistakes and make, uh, having outages and things like that, or think about more creative ways to do that. So the idea with MetaCloud and SuperCloud, whatever you want to call it, is to build this loosely coupled cross-cloud uh, layer or uh, hybrid uh, cross-hybrid cloud layer, however you want to do it, that is able to provide a central way to deal with security and operations and governance and data storage and data management. So we're not doing it in different ways on each individual system. You know, hybrid cloud, it would be doing on the private cloud and the public cloud or doing on the traditional system in the public cloud. Multi-cloud, it would be doing on five different public clouds in different ways. You're implementing security five different times and data management five different times. And that's where the complexity comes in. We just can't keep enough people around to kind of maintain all of these moving parts to make it happen. So the idea, and by the way, it's an older architectural concept. The idea with uh, MetaCloud, SuperCloud, whatever you want to call it, is having this loosely coupled layer uh, that sits above the clouds. By the way, they may run on particular cloud providers, but they're able to extend and reach out and communicate. They logically sit above the cloud providers where we're trying to consolidate lots of different things into a single layer, thus reducing the complexity, thus, allow, uh, thus allowing us to operate these systems at scale and thus allowing, hopefully, to reduce the money it's going to cost to operate these things. At least that's the idea. And then... Uh as the outro, so to speak, for people that are not familiar with your work, you have a book coming out. Can you tell us about the book and when it will be released? Yeah, in April, it's called Insider's Guide to Cloud Computing. It does discuss a lot of the topics we talked about on the show, but basically it's looking at cloud in a pragmatic way. Uh, so folks who are you know, trying to figure out how to make the right decisions uh, can kind of get an insider's view because, you know, I, I'm CTO, I worked on the product side and certainly the management consulting side and, uh, you know, uh, all over the place and different technologies over time as to what they should be thinking about. And also some of the things I don't think other people are telling them. The, certainly we're not hearing it out there from the vendors uh, and the technology community as much. So it's getting to uh, what you should be thinking and how to think differently about using cloud uh, cloud providers and using them effectively. Dave, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come and talk to us about cloud repatriation, not from that normal should or shouldn't we, but really detailed data. If people want to find out more about the CTO Advisor, you can find us on the web, thectoadvisor.com. You can follow me on Twitter at CTO Advisor. All of David's contact information will be in the show notes and you can find that on the ctoadvisor.com until the next episode of CTO Advisor I haven't said this in a while share the podcast with your wife your husband your grandma your mother put it in their podcaster they will be pleased to know more about cloud repatriation talk to you next episode